Hi there, everyone. I trust that you enjoyed our series that my wife took us through on the Holy Spirit. Wasn't it so powerful? And now we are starting a new series on activating authentic community. And each week I'm going to share with you an activator for building authentic community. What we've seen in our church, we've seen people doing exciting things organically. And it's something that I've been praying for. We've had uh, couples groups starting up where people are going hiking together. We've got um, one of the guys in the church who's just started up a soccer team, a five-a-side soccer league that we are now a part of. And God is just doing something. Youth small groups are starting up. And I felt it was time for me to really preach again on community, but specifically focusing on the activators for community. You see, many people talk about community, but few people know the ingredients necessary to activate it. What are the ingredients that the Holy Spirit works with when helping us to develop authentic community? Have you ever thought about that? Okay, so in this series, we're going to discuss some of these powerful constructs um, that come in the form of attitudes, they come in the form of values, they come in the form of virtues and behaviors. It's one thing to passively long for community. It's quite another thing to intentionally create it. Just think about it. It's one thing to long for community passively. It's quite another thing to intentionally create it. And our focus in this series is going to be on transforming what we currently have and building something new. Now, many people don't have this mindset, so their focus tends to be on searching for something that already exists out there. But I don't know if you know that sometimes we're called to create. You see, we're social architects and we're called to create certain things. And you see, there's nothing wrong with looking for that ideal out there. But I believe that God has called us to be shapers. He's called us to be influencers. And sometimes he's called us to actually be the ones that create intentionally community. We create it. So many people don't have this mindset, do they? So they focus on searching for that thing that already exists somewhere out there. And sometimes they end up falling for the wrong thing. I believe that God wants to equip us in this series to create kingdom culture. And the first activator of authentic community that I want to explore with you is mutuality, mutuality. So what is mutuality? It's like one of those words we don't really use that often. What is mutuality? Mutuality speaks of a sharing of sentiments, a sharing of sentiments. When there's mutuality, there's recipro reciprocity. Reciprocity is the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit. And that's why we sometimes talk about the reciprocal nature of power. As you give away power, you get more power because you're empowering the people around you to empower you. So I empower you to empower me to empower you, right? So power has no zero sum. It's not zero sum based, for example, okay? So um, we talk about recip the reciprocal nature of trust, for example, that, you know what? If you, if you want, if I want you to trust me, I need to learn to trust you too. People are more likely to trust you when you show that you trust them. It's the same with liking people, right? If you start study the science of likability, people are more likely to like you when you show that you like them, okay? It's very difficult for you to hate me if I see you and I'm so excited to see you and I'm happy to see you and I show that I really like this guy, right? You are more likely to like me. Now, 
When something is mutual, it's held in common by two or more parties. So we'll talk about a mutual friend, right? That's a friend that's held in common by two or more parties. But when we talk about mutual love, we're basically saying the love I have for you is the love you have for me. Reminds me of the Whitney Houston song, right? Uh, your love is my love. My love is your love. And that's mutuality, right? So it's held in common by two parties. It's an exchange of feelings. It's an exchange of sentiments. Or it's even an obligation between two or more parties. Simply put, mutuality means shared. It means shared, right? It's that sense of, hey, this wonderful feeling I have toward you, you have it too toward me. And this respect I have for you, I see that you also have it for me too. Now, sadly, in society today, people experience pain when they realize that, hey, I love you, but you use me. Even sexually in marriages, you'll find situations where uh, many people have been haunted by the realization that I give to you continuously, but you take from me. Love gives, lust takes. So there's a lack of mutuality. And you can apply this mutuality in many contexts. I was coaching someone earlier on today and they said, when it comes to apologizing, I feel like I apologize to my wife, Paul, you know, when I've done something wrong, but it's not the same when she's done something wrong. He was looking for mutuality. Now in Romans chapter one, verse 11 to 12, it says this, this is Paul. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Imagine having someone with those sentiments and that goal. I long to see you so I may impart some spiritual gift so that you can be strong. But look at verse 12. He says, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So there's something about a mutual encouragement that kicks in when we want to activate authentic community. And I'm telling you right now, when it's not there, community is not sustainable relationships are not sustainable and resentment begins to build up and we're going to go into it. So mutuality in relationships, it's a natural thing that God has actually built into us. It's not about being selfish. You know, Paul the apostle desired it. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 to 15, it says, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you're withholding yours from us. Look at verse 13. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Can you see what's coming up? He's saying we've made ourselves vulnerable. We've shown affection to you. This is how we've related to you. But for the relationship to be functional, please also be affectionate toward us. And he was stating his need, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You see, it's important to be able to identify lack of mutuality when you can't see it, okay? And to actually be able to articulate it, all right? Especially when you see that it's actually a source of conflict. To be able to say, the reason we're fighting like this is I'm feeling like this is how I am toward you, but when I look at how you are toward me, I'm not seeing the same thing. There's something not right here and you problematize it. It's okay doing that. It's part of being assertive, okay? You know, we often need mutual love and affection 
We often need mutual trust. We often need mutual sacrifice and we need mutual respect. And I'm going to go deeper into these things. A lot of people struggle with lack of mutuality in their relationships, but they fail to communicate it, right? Because it comes across like they're being selfish. We assume that we should love and not expect the other to do the same because, hey, I'm being a selfless Christian, so let me just do so, right? The reality is that mutuality is necessary for a relationship to be sustained. And that's why uh, you've got movies and books like, you know, she just ain't into you or he just ain't into you. Because when we do premarital counseling, what we ask people, do you really love this guy? Oh, I love him. I'm so in love with him. But a key question after that, key follow through question is, does he also feel the same way? All right. Because if he doesn't, it means it's not mutual. The love is not mutual. Okay, Jesus first loved us and he loved us while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. But guess what? He still expects us to respond to his love by remaining in his love. That's what scripture says. He says, abide in my love, remain in my love, right? So he looks for that mutuality. He looks for that. It doesn't stop him from loving us. He loves all people. But for the relationship to be sustainable, to actually have a relationship, the mutuality is important, right? Now, one of the biggest complaints and causes of pain in marriage is lack of mutuality. You hear people saying, Paul, I have sacrificed so much, but he has not even lifted a finger, right? So key question to ask yourself is, number one, who is contributing to my life currently, right? And the follow through question, what can I do to contribute to theirs? Please, I'm not talking about debt-based relationships. I'm not talking about tit for tat. I'm not talking about you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Because there's no reward in that. If you're only doing things, not stemming from love, but just because someone did it to you, then there's no reward in that. But I'm saying if you want to build community, if you want to build sustainable relationships, it's important to reflect on yourself and say, am I just sucking people dry? Am I just sucking the life out of people? Or am I also saying, hey, I need to also contribute to their lives. And you see it throughout the New Testament, articulated mutuality. You know, when I mentioned to you, when it comes to being in love, people often know this is how I feel. But do they really know how the other person feels towards them? And after some time, they start seeing a pattern and they realize, wait a minute, I'm, I'm actually compromising so that I can support this person in what they're doing. But I don't see the same thing coming through. You know, there was a particular individual just a couple of days ago, we had a conversation around that, where that was the situation they were in, where they're exploring, is this the right person for me or not? And after some time, they came to a realization that, you know what, I am sacrificing so much to keep this thing going, but I'm not seeing the same thing coming through, right? And what we often say in those situations, especially premaritally, we say marriage is a magnifying glass. If you've got that issue right now, guess what? When you do get married, you will experience it even more. Don't think to yourself, when I say I do, that thing will just disappear. It won't. Okay. So <clears throat> the challenge in relationships in, and in building community is figuring out if it's just a one-way thing. That person you're relating to, is it just a one-way thing? When you don't feel loved by the other person, you can use the term a friend of mine once used. And he called it the crucible of unrequited love. The crucible of unrequited love. It's where you love, 
but you're not feeling the same thing coming back. In personal relationships, you have problems when you start feeling things are just one way. Mutual love, however, means you can feel secure that you both love and are loved fairly equally, right? Um, it's that sense of, hey, we are the, you know, I'm approximately equal. We're approximately equal in our energy for staying together. The energy we have for being committed to each other and staying together, hey, it's fairly equal, right? And I mentioned a bit earlier on five major areas of mutuality that must be present if a relationship or a community is to succeed and grow. And I want to go into, into these. The first one is mutual love. You see, when both people feel loved and when both people feel appreciated for being loving, then commitment thrives. Commitment thrives. That's mutual love. The second is mutual benefit. The sum total of the relationship must feel similarly beneficial to both parties. If not, unequal power is the result and then resentment ends up developing. So is there a sense of this relationship is win-win? This relationship is mutually beneficial as opposed to you're benefiting from me, but I'm not benefiting from you. That's where some people have had to have a difficult conversation with some of their friends where they actually say to their friends, you know what? It could be a specific friend. You're right. I have been ignoring you. And the reason I've been ignoring you is I believe friendship needs to be mutual. But the last three times you've called me or spoken to me, it's been one way. You want something from me. You know those people whose mindset is, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. I want something from you, but I never give. Then there's mutual trust. This is where the trust levels are fairly equal. So it's not a case of, I trust you, but I feel like you don't really trust me. I'm sharing all these things with you. I'm giving you all this information about what I'm going through, but you never disclose. You never make yourself vulnerable. And when it comes to relational trust, this is crucial. Unless you go to someone where professionally they're a counselor or someone, you know, and you, you're meeting them, you don't expect them to pour out all their stuff. But in friendship, you do. In friendship, you do. There's also mutual support. You know you will support each other emotionally. You'll support each other financially, spiritually, mentally, verbally, to the best of your ability through both good times and bad times. If you have that feeling of, hey, when you were sick, I was there for you. I wasn't even doing all sorts of activities because I, I did your chores for you. I went the extra mile. But now I'm sick and I'm incapable of doing all sorts of things. And you barely ask me a follow through question about it. Then the person starts feeling hurt. There was no mutual support. There's also mutual sacrifice and mutual effort. This often is a sign of commitment, isn't it? Are they willing to give up certain things for me like I'm willing to give up certain things for them? This is so crucial. And you might say to me, now, nah, Paul, you know what? With love, love, you just, you just give and give and give. I'm telling you right now, there's so many people who are giving and giving and giving, but the grace has lifted. The grace has lifted. And now there's no self-care. And now there's resentment. And the relationship crumbles. The community crumbles. If you look at Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You see, there are many types of mutuality. Are the people around you iron for you? 
Can your friends sharpen you? Or is it just one way? Do you surround yourself with people who can't sharpen you as a self-protective mechanism? I'm the one who sharpens them, but they can never sharpen me. Hashtag mutual sharpening. It's crucial. You see, mutuality is the glue that enhances friendships and builds emotional intimacy. It makes relationships sustainable. Think of the close friends that you have. There have been many moments, many hours of exchanging information that is exclusive to the two of you. Just think about it. I'm trying to avoid using the word secrets, okay? But this mutual sharing glues you together, doesn't it? And this is why couples often will complain to me when their spouse prioritizes outsiders when it comes to mutual sharing. Why? We all know that mutual sharing results in emotional intimacy. Even if it's happening subconsciously, mutual sharing results in emotional intimacy. The fact that there's certain things that only my wife knows, the fact that there's certain things where she'll share with me and she'll say, please don't tell anyone else, or I haven't told anyone else this, Paul, right? There's a bond that is formed as a result of mutual sharing. You know, Jesus demonstrates his heart for mutual love between the Father, himself, and us. If you look at John 15 verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now we know this scripture fairly well, but when you actually unpack it, Jesus is basically saying, let's share this mutual love between the three parties, Father, me, and you guys. As the Father has loved me, that's the love of the Father, I've loved you with that same love. Now remain in my love. In other words, receive this love and also love me and the Father with the same love, this agape. Very often we feel like people love us with a different type of love. We love them with this wonderful love, a love that's unconditional, a love that's warm, a love that's tender. But we feel like when they love us back, yes, they do love us, but it hasn't got the tenderness. They're not cherishing us the way we cherish them. We all know that there are degrees of love. For communities to become sustainable, there has to be mutuality. For a relationship to grow, there has to be mutuality. Now, it begs the question, why do relationships often lack mutuality? See, often we haven't, uh, we haven't actually stopped to ask the question, what is the purpose of this person, person X, in my life? And I'm telling you right now, when you get the answers for that, it makes it easier for mutuality to take place. When you have a revelation of this is this person's purpose in my life, I was coaching someone recently and they were a bit unsure of a particular person, right? It was maybe a business colleague, right? They're a bit unsure of this particular individual. So their answers were fairly clipped. And I said to this individual, you know what? You need to ask God the question, what is the purpose of this person in my life? And what is my purpose in their life? Once you answer those questions, you find yourself at another level in terms of clarity, and mutuality develops. It's not a one-way thing where this person is contacting you, wanting to meet you, but you find yourself ignoring them because you haven't got a revelation of their purpose in your life. So important. Some of the hindrances to mutuality, I'm going to outline uh, to you now. 
One of them is low self-esteem. Low self-esteem. You don't feel like you have anything to give. You don't feel like you have anything to give. I was speaking to someone recently who was experiencing suicidal thoughts. And they said to me, Paul, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll think to myself, if something was to happen to me, if I just disappeared or if I died, I don't think it will make a difference to these people's lives. I don't think it will make a difference to my husband, to my children. I don't think it will make a difference. And that's the state they were in. And I'm telling you right now, that's the state the enemy wants you to be in, where you don't believe that you've got any value to add to anyone, okay? And very often when people are feeling depressed and they're feeling suicidal, you find that they're starting to think that way. And, and basically, in essence, it's you don't feel you've got anything to contribute, so there's no mutuality. Sometimes it's that sense of everyone else around me is wonderful, they're great, and I'm terrible, okay? Low self-esteem is a big killer. Sometimes there's just lack of creativity, lack of creativity. Oh, these people, they give me so much money. This person gives me so much money, but I don't have money to give them. Guess what? There are many ways of contributing to someone's life. And that's why if you look in the New, in the New Testament, what does Paul say? He says, is it anything to ask for material things or for you to pass on material things if we've sown spiritually in your life? All right. In other words, when mutuality is built up, in a relationship, it doesn't necessarily mean you're giving exactly the same thing, okay? Especially when we're talking about material things, right? You might find yourself in a situation where you start realizing there are actually many ways of being creative about how I contribute, you know? Often we focus on financially related contribution, but we have to be creative with what we have in order to keep relationships mutual, Even if you don't have much money, how can you be actively contributing in another's life? Just think about that, okay? Embrace a plus one mindset. So for example, this is where you're willing to give someone something, even if they've already been paid for that particular thing. So maybe uh, your, your helper at home or a driver who helps you around, right, does a particular thing, you've already paid them for it but they went the extra mile in helping one of your kids. You could say to that child, listen, I think you need to give them a gift just to express some kind of mutuality. They went the extra mile for you. What are you willing to do for them? That's embracing a plus one mentality. It's so important, especially when people go the extra mile. Sometimes we lack mutuality because of rigidity of roles, role rigidity. This is so important to understand. You see, maybe when you were growing up, you were used to one way of relating to authority figures or one way of relating across gender lines. So as a result, you actually miss out on opportunities to give and receive because you've never seen it modeled that way. Okay, so you're a good cook, but you never cook because you don't think it's a man's role. You're good at sport and you're very playful, but you never play with your kids, right, or wrestle with them because... In your mind, you think that's not what men do. So how rigid have you become in terms of your role type? And maybe that's blocking you for being mutual, from being mutual and from contributing to a relationship because you struggle seeing yourself playing that role. It's very important to understand that. Sometimes there's lack of mutuality in our relationships because of failure to receive So we have to be the one who's always giving. And sometimes it's actually due to guardian lies that we've believed. 
For example, there are certain people who have, who have a mindset of, I don't want to use people, therefore I won't ask for help. You know, someone was saying this to me in a particular coaching session where I said, this person could help you. You've got these relational assets around you. And this individual said, yeah, but I've always said to myself, I don't want to use people. Right? But that was based on a guardian lie. Because I said to this individual, but what if God has sent these people to you? We always have destiny helpers in our lives. Remember when Jesus sent his disciples and he says, there'll be this man with a pitcher. Go and speak to him. He will show you where to go in terms of, you know, this, this particular room that we're going to use. Okay? There'll be the, you'll see this man with a colt and a donkey. Right? There's, there are always destiny helpers around us. And if God wants to use those people to be a blessing to you, allow it to happen so that the relationship is mutual. Otherwise, you'll always be the one giving into their life, but they'll never have an opportunity to give into your life. So learn to receive from others. You know what? In doing so, you allow them to be a blessing and to receive a blessing, right? To receive a blessing because it's, it's a greater blessing for giving than for receiving, right? If you don't do so, if you don't allow them to give, then the relationship will be unhealthy when it comes to power dynamics, which is the next point I want to make. Often there's lack of mutuality because of power dynamics. You know that some people don't allow you to give to them because they don't want to um, create an imbalance of power. You see, they always want to remain one up. And, and part of their power base is, I'm the one who's giving to everyone, right? And the moment they allow other people to give to them, they feel like they're losing their power. Their contribution to your life is part of a power game. And the balance of power is then affected if they allow themselves to receive from you. Please be careful of that if you're like that. Humble yourself and be able to receive from people, right? So it shows us that mutuality is so important in that it keeps relationships healthy, okay? Some people have that mindset of, you need me, but I don't need you, right? Instead of being interdependent, and when you have interdependency, the mindset is, hey, you know what? I need you for certain things. You need me for other things. That is healthy. Sometimes people don't admit to their need for those around them, as this creates this mutuality that results in an intimacy that they're trying to avoid. You know, I'm one out. It's just me. I don't need people. Ask yourself, is that you? Now, <clears throat> what are two major consequences of lack of mutuality? What are two major consequences of lack of mutuality? Well, the first one is resentment. Resentment. Often you begin to resent people as you feel used and abused by them. You know, it's fine to keep saying yes to people, thinking you're being so loving, but there comes a point when the grace lifts. Are you aware of your boundaries? Are you aware of your boundaries? Are you aware of your limits? Part of setting boundaries is setting limits. In Proverbs 25 verse 17 in the NLT, it says, Don't visit your neighbors too often or you will wear out your welcome. You will wear out your welcome. In other words, they will become resentful. So ask yourself, am I just visiting them and eating at their place, using their things? Do they ever get to do so where I am? Bible says, be careful. You'll wear them out at a certain point and they'll become resentful of it. People who used to like you 
can become resentful. You see, when there's no mutuality, we end up in high maintenance relationships that are extremely draining. And this ends up having an impact on our other relationships. Remember that each time you keep saying yes to someone or something, you're also saying no to something else. You have limited time and you have limited resources. It's so important to be able to address this. Otherwise, we end up resenting those that we once loved and once served. It's so important. It's so important to be able to address this issue of mutuality. Sometimes you end up exploding when it comes to small issues, right? And you end up becoming someone you don't like because you feel you're being used by people. From a situation where you feel they're not tidying up after themselves, and then you shift to a situation where you believe that your sacrifice is way more than their sacrifice in the marriage or in a parenting situation. One of the other consequences I want to highlight, consequences of lack of mutuality is erosion of your personal brand. Are you now seen as a taker, not a giver? Do people avoid your phone calls? Because each time you phone, you always want something. You're never offering anything. It's so refreshing when someone phones you, like someone did this recently and they phoned me, one of the guys in the church, and they said, no, I just just to catch up, just wanted to say hi, I haven't spoken to you in a long time. Hey, can we have a coffee? Just wanted to chat, okay? In Romans 12 verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. What would your life look like if you lived completely by this scripture? What would your community look like if you lived completely by this scripture? Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I said to you earlier, there's something that mutuality is not. And I said to you, mutuality is not debt-based relationships. You see, any strength that you overuse becomes a weakness. So we're talking about keeping relationships mutual. But when you overextend and overuse this strength, it becomes a debt-based relationship. Oh, they did this for us, so we must also do this for them. And it has to be exactly the same. And after a while, people end up not feeling loved by you. They feel like you only do things because you're just repaying us for what we did for you. In Matthew 5, 46 to 47, it says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? You see, so when it comes to giving, I am called to give without expecting anything in return. But when it comes to receiving, this is where I need to ensure that I'm also contributing to the relationship. You see, if you only give to people who've been a blessing to you, then there's no blessing in your giving. You're just paying back. It's important to understand that. In Romans 13 verse 8, it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. That's the only obligation I have toward you is to make sure I'm loving you. 
And when everything I do stems from a place of love, there's blessing in that. I'm not doing it as a debt thing, oh, I owe you one. That's not the mindset of mutuality. The mindset of mutuality is overall, is the nature of this relationship win-win? Is it a win-win relationship? Is it mutually beneficial? I just want you to spend some time reflecting on a few things. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Imagine what community you could create if you fully implemented the scripture. My questions to you, in what aspects of your current community are things not mutual? Second question, have a discussion with your people to establish this. Have a discussion with your people to establish this. Why have things not been mutual in these areas? What is the mindset behind the behavior? There's always a mindset behind behavior. How has the lack of mutuality affected you and your loved ones? And then finally, what will you start doing to make it more mutual? This is crucial if you want to build and activate authentic community. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunities for us to build authentic community. Thank you, Father, that you want to take our relationships to a greater dimension of mutuality. Father, I pray that you would help us as we build organically. I pray that there would be mutual love, there would be mutual respect, there'll be mutual apology, there'll be mutual benefit in our relationships, there'll be mutual trust. Take us to a new level, Lord. Take us to new levels of mutual sacrifice and effort in our relationships. Make us aware of these things, Father, and help us as we have conversations around them. And Lord, we pray for your protection, Lord, that we'll never overuse or overextend the strength, that we'll never get into debt-based relationships, that we'll never get into love with a hook where we only do things because of what we're expecting in return. But may we remain in your love, the love that the Father has for Jesus and the love that Jesus has for us. May we remain in that love. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you.